Welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. Let's get it right out the way. If things sound different, it's because we're in a different room today. Uh, I got Mike Norm with me to do uh, Dragon Ball Z Movie 3, The Tree of Might, a.k.a. The Decisive Battle for the Whole Earth. Mike, what's up, dude? Yo, I'm fucking still recovering over here. We went to a Halloween party last night, and uh, Mike won... Mike and Amber won best costume. Oh, yeah. And then you got like a bunch of upvotes on Reddit for your fat dancing Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Fat Boba Fett over here. Yeah. In the flesh. That's pretty cool. Also, I was on the judge picking committee for people who... I'm just saying, I didn't... I nominated you guys for best couple. You ended up winning best overall, which is probably even better, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, uh, that's all a long way to say we're in a different spot. Sounds different. We're uh, a little, little less low, a little, little more low energy than normal, especially coming off last week when you heard me yelling about uh, the manga chapter and all that. So, um, Although I'm sure I'll get to yelling eventually about that manga chapter because lots of parallels uh, going on in this movie, uh, the tallest movie, Turlist, depending on your pronunciation. Um, I'm probably going to stick with tallest throughout this podcast, but... If I slip back over to Turles, forgive me. Is that the American pronunciation? Yes. Turles. Yeah. And Tullus is his proper Japanese uh, name, which is an anagram of lettuce. Oh, I see. I see. Sayajin. So, yeah, uh, we'll be talking about the Tree of Might today. Uh, like I said, the, the decisive battle for the whole earth. Now, I actually, I forgot how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, and I also feel like it's a pretty uh, timely movie for us to be talking about, given all the shit going on with Bardock and the Goku parallels in the manga right now. So I'm sure that'll come up at a certain point. Uh, but this is like the first true evil Goku that we get in a long series of evil Gokus. Fucking Bizarro Goku. Yeah. It's all gray. And shit. Yeah. Like he, I'm pretty sure this Bardock, uh, excuse me, this tallest movie uh, came out July 7th, 1990. So this predates even the bardock television special like this is the first true evil goku and like they kind of beat you over the head with that parallel at certain points throughout the film especially like the last two minutes like hey and just in case you missed the point of this whole movie this is what it was about good thing goku's not evil right, right. but it's interesting to see it play out for the first time and i think it's really well done um you haven't seen all the dragon ball movies but you've seen a handful of them uh, you want to give it a 1 to 10? I'd say it's pretty solid. Um, I'll give it a 7. Full 7. You know, okay. Maybe even an 8. Yeah. I like uh, the cute dragon. Higher dragon. But. Yeah, what's up? What's that mean? Higher dragon? Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. You know what I think he should have been called, though? Fat, fat, fat dragon. Hero dragon. No, my heart <laughs> yeah, he was the hero. High Dragon's he the low-key hero. He was ready to take hero. on Shenron, bro. Oh, yeah, dude. I can't believe he tried to step to Shenron like that. Especially after, like, him running scared his, the entire fucking first 10 minutes of the film, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I think I'm in that same range, like a 7, 8, somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, I do... It's definitely not one that I've watched a ton in my life, but I enjoyed uh, re-watching it now. We've, we've taken a minute to do this one. But uh, I'm glad we're doing it now, again, because it just feels timely given what we're talking about. So uh, I'm just going to read some shit from the Wikipedia, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Tree Bite, also known by its Japanese title, The Decisive Battle for the Whole Earth. I already told you that shit. 1990 Japanese anime science fantasy martial arts film and the third Dragon Ball Z feature film. Uh, Japan, July 7th. Uh, airs between episodes 54 and 55 of DBZ. Okay. So that's them on Namek, but well before free like people are talking about frieza but i don't think frieza's made a proper entrance yet if he is maybe he's running around killing namekians and gathering the dragon balls maybe um toei anime fair film festival that's where it was shown as part of an akira toriyama themed triple feature titled toriyama akira the world the other two films were anime versions of his one-shot stories kanesuke sama and pink neither of which i've heard of because i'm a terrible fake Akira Toriyama fan. <laughs> to be fair, I don't even think Akira Toriyama is much of a Dragon Ball, f uh, much of a fan of himself. I don't know. Although he does keep going back and like repeating shit in his old works, of his old works. So maybe, I don't know. I think maybe he just doesn't like Dragon Ball fans. <laughs> 
I can understand that feeling. Uh, all right, let's get into this plot. A forest fire interrupts a camping trip. Enjoyed by Gohan, Krillin, Bulma, and Oolong. You know what? I'm not going to read this fucking synopsis. Fuck the synopsis. We got a camping trip. Nerd-ass Gohan. <laughs> Bring all his fucking books. Like, I understand his mom being, like, overly protective or whatever, but at this point, he's already fought the Saiyans. I get that she still wants to treat him as, like, a, a young boy who needs to do his studies and all that, but, like, ease the fuck up, man. You know he can catch, like, massive fish out in a river. Why do you got to load him up with all these curry pockets and uh. pouches? Pouches. I think I'm developing a stuttering problem. I blame having to shift between two languages regularly lately. Hmm. Makes when, I, sense. when I try to switch, shift to Portuguese, dude, it gets like trying to think of the next word. It's bad. <laughs> it's real bad. Uh, anyway, I think it's uh, kind of nerdy that Gohan brought all damn books. Yeah, he's a mama's boy, bitch. Yeah, but I mean, camping trip, fun until not so fun because there's a, a fire in the fucking woods. Maybe I will read the synopsis. I suck today. I'm too high. You know what we'll do? I know what we'll do. This is how the sausage gets made. Yeah, right. A forest fire interrupts a camping trip enjoyed by Gohan, Krillin, Bulma, and Oolong. Gohan and Krillin manage to put out the fire and use the Dragon Balls to restore the forest and the animals that were killed by the Inferno. Gohan befriends a small dragon he names Icarus, but yeah, that's in the dub, man. Tie a dragon. Come oh, on. Okay. Jesus, okay. Wikipedia. Unbeknownst to the group, the fire was started by a probe sent by a Saiyan space pirate named Turles. Ugh, reading like a dub translation of the synopsis here. It's okay, though. I don't care. I meant to say Tullus. Also, let's talk about that probe real quick. Looks like a probe droid got fucked by that big-ass spider thing from Java's Palace. Gross. Creepy. Robot porn. Baby. Oh, I, hate, I hate everything now. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Unbeknownst to the group, the fire was started by a probe sent by a Saiyan space pirate named Tullus, who bears a striking resemblance to Goku, and who has chosen the Earth to plant the Tree of Might, which absorbs the life of a planet and converts it into fruit that, when eaten, gives the consumer a massive power increase. That was the longest goddamn sentence I've ever read in my entire life. Right. There's Wikipedia for you. I think we're a third of the way there, though, so that's good at least. <laughs> that's a third of the movie, one sentence. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That was a long one. Anyway, it's called the, the Shin Seiju, I believe is how it's said, uh, is the fruit that the Tree of Might bears, saps all the energy from the earth. And that's bad because we live there and we need it to not be dead. I think this movie's a commentary on like climate change. Yeah. I thought the, the lyrics to Edgelaw were interesting. There was stuff in there about the polar ice caps melting and whatnot. Was there? Yeah. Oh no, do we have to look up the fucking English lyrics to Chala Edgelaw? Yeah. Like, let's see. Uh, Roman I, lyrics in English. Piercing the shining clouds, I fly away, fly away, while a panorama spreads through my body. Kicked in the face, the earth gets angry, gets angry, and makes a volcano explode. Within the melted polar ice, if there's a dinosaur, I want to train it to balance on a ball. Chala. <laughs> Head shallah. No matter what happens, I feel like it's no big deal. Chala, head shallah. Just as loudly as my heart pounds, the Genki Dama roars, sparking. So yeah, man, I feel like it's just some gibberish about, you know, training dinosaurs to bounce on a ball and shit. But if you took away some kind of message where you're like, hey, we should probably reduce, reuse, and recycle, I feel you. Yeah, it's like a Bob Dylan song. Dude, <laughs> don't make me talk about Bob Dylan. I don't know. I don't think I've talked about it on the show, but for the listener, a couple weeks ago, I had to play a Bob Dylan song at a funeral, which is a... Uh, 
a thing that happens to me in my life occasionally sometimes. I don't think actually it's ever happened before. I've definitely sang at funerals before as like part of a choir or like a church service, but never with my acoustic guitar. And yeah, I got to do that in front of a, uh, with a box, you know, ashes, cremated. Thank God, because the entire time I was learning this fucking Bob Dylan song that I effing hate, I was like picturing myself playing it poorly and like playing it in front of a fucking big room of people at this funeral and like a open casket. And no, nah, wasn't very many people because COVID and stuff. And uh, yeah, just a, just a box with ashes in it. Also, I played the song okay. But also, Bob Dylan, bit of a hack. Don't fucking care for him personally. Honestly, fuck that guy. I'll say it. Glad I said it. Feel a lot better now. Thanks for giving me the opportunity, Mike. Yeah, that's right. There's a line in uh, Sabrina. We're watching Sabrina. Like, right when you showed up today, Sabrina was decided to be goth for some reason. And there's this line that made me think of you. She was like, any, any song with only three chords isn't real music. <laughs> I mean, you can do a lot with, like, fucking A, one chord, you know? Two chords, even. Three, three chords? Wait, do we like three chords or do we not like three chords? Did I miss the joke? Uh, I guess it was a commentary on punk rock or something. Oh, so she doesn't like songs with more than three chords because that's not punk. Something like that. Okay, that's cool. No, you could do a lot of shit with three chords. The one, the four, and the five. That's all you need, baby. Anyway, <laughs> this has been a fun one so far. Uh... <laughs> The fuck did I leave off? Oh, yeah, that long-ass sentence, remember? Turles' henchmen plant the seed. Oh, boy. And King Kai telepathically warns Goku of the danger. He, Krillin, Yamcha, Tianchenhan, and Chaozu attempt to destroy the tree using energy blasts, but fail. Here's the thing, though. They're, like, all at Goku's house for some reason. Right. Like, as they plant the seed... Which I, I imagine I'm going to have to say that phrase so many times today. But as they plant the seed, they accidentally blow up Yamcha's new car. Which I would say is like one of the better like background stories, you know? It's <laughs> like he just got approved on a 15-year loan <laughs> for a new fucking like flying car. And he's, you know, taking Puar on a test drive. Like, how's she handle, bud? And then, boom, right out the sky after Same. he gets done telling Puar all of his fucking, Same fucking day. credit disclosure shit. So they plant the seed. They blow that thing out the sky. Yamcha then goes to Goku's house, I guess, because it's, like, nearby. But he's like, sorry to drop in on you guys. But, yeah, they fucks up my car. And everyone else is at Goku's house. Roshi's there. Bulma's there yelling at Yamcha for buying the car. Tien and Chaozu and Krillin are all there. And, like, Chi-Chi's unusually, uncharacteristically pretty cool. With uh, having everyone around. She's like, hey, you guys can stay. Just don't fuck with my kids' books, man. Yeah, maybe they just have uh, dinners. Every Sunday night dinners or something. I will also point out that uh, Goku has a coffee mug. And I have to assume <laughs> that there's coffee in it. And, uh, you know, maybe Goku has become a man of culture uh, since the time, you know, he was a 12-year-old boy. But when he was 12, the young man hated coffee. Bitter old bean soup or whatever he calls it. Anyway, everyone's at Goku's house, and it's very weird. Uh, they all decide to go blow up the Tree of Might because King Kai drops in. Like, Haya Dragon shows up at the same time to be like, hey, what's up, Gohan? Can uh, you come with me, please? And Chi-Chi's already pitched a fit about Haya Dragon being like, he's like, no, you can't keep it. They have that weird fucking bathtub scene, you know? Like, he saves Haya Dragon from the fire. Haya Dragon follows him home. Yeah, and then Chi-Chi shits on him. I was like, oh, you're becoming a bad kid. Well, because I, I saved Dragon and followed me home. Not like he brought the fucking Dragon home. Yeah. You know? It's just wildlife enjoys the boy, yeah. which I uh, I realize sounds weird. High Dragon's the real hero in this movie, in my opinion. Agreed. Even though he does get saved in the beginning, the rest of the movie, he's just paying respect back to Gohan. And then Gohan's like, yo, all right, you don't have a forest to live in no more. We're going to summon the, the Dragon Balls, or gather the Dragon Balls, which also, I appreciate the fact that they respected my time with their hunt for the Dragon Balls. To be honest, I thought that was going to be the whole movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Fucking... Like, oh, there's a setup for the movie. We're going to go find the Dragon Balls. Wouldn't that be a sick fucking movie? <laughs> no, just a fucking cutscene. I would love that. 
What do you call it? That would be so much fun. You could do so many that, stupid little slice of life kind of moment things, but like have it resolve in the end. But nah, dude. Even at this point in the in the Dragon Ball Z franchise, it's like, oh, you need the Dragon Balls? Okay, uh, we'll get them and be back in like 15 minutes. Right. Like if they need them, they just go grab them. But they do the montage in the opening song, the Chala Head Chala, which it's a cool new opening and like they respect your time by being like, then they gather the Dragon Balls. But we're going to show you the opening song anyway, so let us just show you some... Let us just show you some cool new animation that uh, shows them gathering it. They did something similar too in, I think it's the third Dragon Ball movie. I believe it's the Tian Shin Han Tao Pai Pai movie where Krillin and Goku are like at the beginning of the movie. They're like training with Master Roshi or whatever. And you're like, oh shit, this is uh, not what I expected the movie to be. And then the montage kicks in and it shows all of their training. And at the end of the montage and the opening music, it's like, all right, let's go fight in this tournament. And that's when the movie kicks off for real. Um, I don't think it's a very commonly used thing outside of these two movies. I, I, I don't think, it ha I don't know, I could be wrong. It, it might happen. Although, um, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, Dragon Ball Super Broly does a similar thing where, like, to catch you up real quick on the history of Goku and Vegeta, they do, like, during the opening song, they do, like, a quick little run-through of the entirety of Dragon Ball. Maybe not so much a, I guess it's kind of a montage, right? Yes, so. Clip show. Yeah. Greatest hit set to fucking cool music. Chala head chala and such. Anyway. Uh they summon Shenron to wish back the forest. Hire dragon, hero dragon in my opinion. He uh tries to step to Shenron? Right. Got the balls on that dragon. Bro. Like what is wrong with him? He's an ornery little fucker. Ornery? <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> I don't think I know what it means, but it's a no I know it's a word. Does that mean like uh inherently violent? Sure, grumpy, feisty, something like that. Ornery, easily provoked. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't want to look up a definition on Google, even though I have my phone right in front of me. Cause I'm better than that right now. I'm not Dragon. looking at Wikipedia. Dragon's like my spirit animal. He's fat, grumpy, homeless. <laughs> I mean, he's homeless for a minute, but then Goku and Gohan have a bath. Hiya Dragon drops in to say hi, and Chi Chi fucking isn't having it, so they go find him a cave to live in. Yeah, caves are technically homes. Yeah, I mean, they're like, prevent you from getting rained on, right? Sure. And they brought him like some apple boxes and shit, I think, that like to use as furniture, but also maybe there was apples in there for him to eat. Mm. I bet you High Dragon eats lots of meats. He's probably like, what's up with these apples? Yo, if High Dragon ate a fucking fruit of the world tree. I shouldn't say you. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's, honestly, that's the question I have buff. for myself through certain points of this movie. I'm just like, Man, it looks like to be a lot of those fruits around. Charles is just leaving the fucking cores everywhere. Right. There seems to be a plenty of these one fruits. Of them, he just took one bite out of, got super buff, and then crushed the rest in his fist. Yeah. Like, he was just like, I'm all set with this. I took one bite, and now I can go back to ass whooping. Right. Didn't even really need to take a bite of this one. I could have just, just kept ass whooping like I was before. How come Goku and the gang are always, like, fighting minions, getting their ass whooped before the big battle with the big bad? They don't think to eat no fruit. Right. I gotta eat your fruits and vegetables. Gotta be strong. Gotta follow the the food pyramid. Anyway, they plant the seeds. The tree of mite seeds. And like the roots take shape. It's a, it reminds me of tremors a little bit, like big ass snakes coming up the ground. But it's just tree roots sapping the life out of everybody, but the roots are scary. Yeah, considering I mean that shit happened pretty fast. Well obviously the tree grew fast, but it sucked the life out of the earth and no time flat, I'd say. Yeah. The the Crusher Tallest Core uh, really do work in very uh, quick fashion. But also, I think that's just how the seed spreads. I mean, they, King Kai's the one who explains how the bad news works, though, and like that it's going to sap all the energy out of the earth or whatever. Uh, and they're like, all right, we'll go blow up the tree. Fine. No, no harm, no foul. But he explains that it's like a fruit or a tree that is usually only planted by gods and that the gods will eat the fruit and whatever. Like, how did this stupid ass space pirate with this stupid little crusher tell us core weirdos manage to find these seeds to be able to plant the tree? I want to see that story. That would have been more interesting for me to see. The backstory on Tullus, or Tullus, see, yeah, I know I'd do it. Uh, I think what's interesting to me about him is like, he's not affiliated with Frieza. Like he's got 
uh, aspirations to overthrow Frieza. Like, they make mention of Frieza in this movie and say, with the power of this tree, we're going to be able to even kill that dickhead. So he does strike me as, like, an independent operator out there in the galaxy, but he does know about, like, the inner workings of the Frieza Force because he had Goku, or he knew that Kakarot was sent to Earth to destroy Earth. Which... By the way, a little bit of a hole, I think. Like, why would you approach the Earth to potentially plant the seed, the Tree of Might thinking that Kakarot had already gone to Earth to destroy it? You know what I mean? That doesn't make any sense, but who cares? Uh, gives us an opportunity to see evil Goku. But, like, what does he do in between those two things of, like, him knowing about Frieza and how his empire works to, I guess, operating independently and, like, looking to overthrow Frieza? Like, what's that transition look like for Tullus? Be cool as hell. I don't know, man. I guess he's been going through the galaxy planting seeds. I think he's been looking for a place to plant the seeds. Otherwise, he would have already enacted his evil plan. I think at some point he mentioned that. He, like, he's gone to other planets and he's eaten a lot of this fruit before. Huh. So it's only like a temp fucking power-up thing. That's so he what needs, I have to assume. Yeah. So he needs like the earth now to plant it and fucking take it over. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just like while the the fruit is inside your body, it gives you the power, and then you poop it out, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> Think Tullus poops a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he probably has like a good diet. Healthy <laughs> fiber. There's probably yeah. a lot of fiber in that fruit. For sure, dude. The fruit makes you poop. So it makes you so strong. But unfortunately, got to spend a lot of time on the on the toilet. <laughs> Going to Brown Town. Turtles on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> So they go do the team up. Master Roshi was at Goku's house and then just fucking disappeared mid-scene. Right. Pretty go, funny. Shit, shit's going down. I'm out. I mean, he didn't... Like, they all do, like, the little team up the hand thing. And I'm like, is Roshi going to throw his hand in? And then I'm like, dude, are they even going to acknowledge that Roshi was there just a minute ago? And you don't see him for the rest of the scene. And pretty much the rest the of the movie, movie until the end. Like, with the camping part two scene. Yeah. Uh, but they go. Can't blow it up. Big surprise. And then they get ambushed by uh, the, the Crusher Tullus Corps. And this is when my two favorite lines of the movie occur. Tian Shin Han, Chaozu, Krillin, Goku, and Yamcha, who is fresh out of a brand new car thanks to these assholes. <laughs> First time meeting up with them since. And he looks at them and says, give me back my new car, you bastards. Yeah, like, what the fuck are they going to do? think they're gonna like bust out their insurance information and be like yeah right. you're right we should have stopped and exchanged information earlier my bad right or do you think they got cash on them like what the fuck are they gonna do <laughs> you know pay little, back your loan bro these two little purple-headed weirdo twin brothers raisin and fucking rick i forget what the other one's name is yeah right so it was it was something not non-fruit related i think can you meet back my car you bastard followed up by there's like a couple things happen and then it flashes back to Yamcha before he launches into the battle and he goes, I'll get you back from my loan. <laughs> 15 year loan, man. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. What's the matter with Yamcha? He also says a funny ass line to Puar when he's telling him about the loan where he's like, yeah, you know, because Yamcha, <laughs> Puar says something to the effect of like, wow, I can't believe somebody gave you that much credit. 15 year loan is obviously a terrible fucking, you know, term or whatever. He's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm basically world famous now because of the Tenkaichi Budokai. I'm like a celebrity, so not a big deal. I'm like, that's just got to be Yamcha's delusions of grandeur, right? That's like, God, he's not actually a celebrity. Nobody knows what the fuck Yamcha is. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I'm going to get you back from my loan. Like, he's so, he's not even that worried about the earth. He's just like, my fucking car, man. I still have to make payments on that. <laughs> I haven't, even, I haven't even paid my first payment on it. You guys, I don't care if you're destroying the earth. He should be like, yeah, fuck it. Burn the earth down. I'm not right. trying to pay back the creditors on this <laughs> shit. You guys were wrecked on me in the first scene. But the boys fight uh, the minions. Gohan shows up in the middle of it, jumps off the back of Haya Dragon. And then he is observed by Tullus, who's like on the spaceship still, and sees that it's... Go. He sees Gohan and realizes pretty quickly that he's a Saiyan. And that's when I'm like, wait a minute, dude. Have you been watching the fight the whole time? Goku's there. You know he's a Saiyan. Why is it that Gohan showing up makes you fucking pop in? So he's like, whatever. Maybe I can bring this kid under my wing and I can have like a new Saiyan, uh, Saiyajin, you know, to work with uh, in my 
Crusher, Tullus, Core, Empire, whatever the fuck we're calling it. I forget. What's, I mean, I guess Gohan's excuse for not being a savage Saiyan is that he's, you know, half human or whatever, right? Yeah, and plus raised on Earth, plus raised by Goku and Chi-Chi, like... Yeah, but even Goku, I mean, sure, he's a full Saiyan, but he had to, like, get hit on the head in order to not be a fucking... No, like, actually, to... you're wrong. Goku's parents are just really nice people. That bonk on the head didn't do a goddamn thing. He was destined to be a nice guy anyway. Don't you read the manga and and know about cool new Barda? I'm fucking listen. Yeah, <laughs> Japanese exotic Japanese fruits are beyond my knowledge. Same dude. So he rushes the battlefield, and he tries to recruit Gohan, and. Gohan's like, no, I'm not having it, dude. I'm saying from Earth or whatever. Fuck out of here. Whatever my dad says, you know? And that's when this... I mean, I appreciate what this scene ultimately builds to. But the beginning of this scene is kind of weird to me. So he's got, like, Gohan face down. He's got his foot on his back, and he's, like, crushing him. He's like, let's test that Saiyan power of yours, boy. Coincidentally, miraculously, at that moment, Gohan's tail just magically grows back. Yeah, where'd the fuck did that come from? Was Sometimes, he hiding it, or is it just... No, they cut off their tails, and then they're, like, you know, after an Azari incident, and they cut off a tail to, like, stop it. Sometimes they blow up the moon, who fucking knows? In this case, they do both. Uh, but they then just kind of sporadically, one every once in a while, come back. Like, Goku regrew his tail a couple of times throughout the course of Dragon Ball, just randomly. See, just whenever the plot demands it. Yep, and in this case, <laughs> they're like, we need it at this exact moment. Yeah. Unless Tullus knows something about, like, the Saiyan anatomy where he's like, if I hit this kid right here in the back with my foot this hard. I mean, that would make sense. He poops out a tail. Yeah, that would make more sense. I mean, they already have an ability to fucking summon a moon, for fuck's sake. Mm. So you'd think they'd have some kind of tail summoning ability also. That wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, but I, I honestly think it's just like, we need you to have a tail again. Poop, there's your tail. He uses his Powerball technique to make an artificial moon and has Gohan transform. Now, in this moment, I'm like, why isn't he transforming? He's, like, probably keeping his eyes closed, not looking at it, whatever. Gohan fully transforms. He, like, peels his fucking eyes open and shit. Transforms full-on Azaru mode. And then Tellus decides, about five seconds later, yo, I can't be transforming. I gotta blow this moon up. And he blows it up, and I'm like, why would you even bother summoning the Powerball, doing this whole thing with Gohan's tail? Like, why would you have him transform just to blow up the fucking moon 10 seconds later and have him untransform? But nope. The effects of the Powerball last a little... Powerball? Am I talking in Powerball? <laughs> That's what it's called, right? Yeah. So Gohan continues to be a great ape. Thankfully, though, just as everyone else is getting their ass kicked. Like, my entire my question this entire time was like, oh, why is this happening when Goku's so close by? Like, I realize he's probably fighting some minion asshole from the Tullus Crusher or whatever, but maybe he, like, uh, wants to look out for his kid. Maybe he's uh, busy, I get it, but, like, I, I don't imagine, I don't know. He, I imagine he would have had time to, you know, make his way over before this transpired. But the boy's now an ape, so what are we going to do? Try to appeal to my boy's ape sensibilities or whatever so this is probably my favorite scene in the movie because i think it does a nice subtle job honestly uh, of kind of illustrating the differences between goku and Tullus and gohan kind of being the back and forth in between um so the idea that gohan's innate saiyan instincts kind of take over when he becomes the azaru form and Tullus is like trying to recruit not only gohan but now goku like Come with me. You know, I'm going to whoop your ass. I'll forgive you. Just join me and my army here and we'll go take over the galaxy or whatever. And it gives Goku an opportunity to push back and be like, no, I'm an earthling. I'm a Saiyan from Earth. Get the fuck out of my way. It's my kid, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's a cool, like, it starts off like that. Uh, Gohan's being destructive and chasing Goku around and Goku's basically just running from him. It's a cool little scene. And... They end up in this, like, on, they, like, fall through, like, a piece of ground and, like, find themselves in this cave with water and shit. And there's this really cool shot of, like, Goku coming up out the water and he's not sure where Gohan is. 
and then Gohan slowly comes out of the water, his big ass ape head, and he goes to crush him. Yeah, that was a cool scene. Remind me of like a King Kong or a Godzilla movie. Hundred like, percent. You know. That's like great kaiju exactly. homage. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, such a cool scene. But that that's when the conversation kind of kicks back and forth between like join us you're a saiyan i can't believe you didn't destroy the earth but ironically you're the thing that allowed me to plant this shinseiju tree and now i can be you know the ruler of the galaxy or whatever and they're having this back and forth and goku's pushing back and gohan's going gone from destructive wants to kill everyone uh and then the hero of this movie hero dragon shows up and notices that gohan is he knows that it's gohan you know and he tries to appeal to gohan in his great ape form and Gohan drops Goku, because he had him, you know, all crushed, uh, King Kong style in his hands. Drops him. High Dragon's like flying in front of him. And then I, I don't know, he's like a big fat purple dragon, you know? I think his little wings get tired. Like a Pokemon. Yeah, he's like a very anatomically misshapen Pokemon. He's like a Dragonite. Yeah, Dragonite can learn fly, right? No? I think so. I don't know, man. But you're, that's probably a very, uh, apt comparison because he's got a big old chonky body and little tiny wings but he's like you know flying in front of gohan's ape face and then i think his wings get tired and he falls out of the sky and gohan catches him in his big ass ape pants and and that's when the shift happens he goes from crazy destructive azaru gohan who um you know was beating up his dad and you know highlighting all the things that saiyans are in the midst of goku pushing back against it and the shift happens when he notices, you know, his animal friend and he just like lays down on the ground and he's playing with Hero Dragon. And that like kind of, I don't know, I guess like underscores Goku's point, like, you know, nature versus nurture and all that. This kid grew up here. Uh, he, you know, is sensitive to fucking other living creatures or has the ability to be like that anyway. And that little thing accents it. And then what the hell happens? Uncle Tullus, he's a little dickhead. Evil Goku, not actually Goku's brother, but just some guy who just so happens to look like him. He's like, nah, fuck this purple dragon. And he blows him up. No! Dude, I thought Higher Dragon died. He didn't die, though. Thank God. If he had, imagine what would have happened with Gohan. But he does freak out considerably. And as he's in the midst of freaking out, that's when Piccolo shows up to, uh, you know, save the day as he usually does with Gohan. He did it once earlier in this movie before he got his ass handed to him. Gets it handed to him again when he just shows up to say, look, we got to cut off that dude's tail. (laughs) I'm amazed that Goku forgets how this works as often as he does. Every Every single time. He's like, what do I do? Like, come on, man. All the minions show back up, the Crusher Talus Corps. I'm glad I didn't look up their names. I know that they have names, but I just don't care to look them up. So I also abandoned the Wikipedia thing in case you can't tell. So I'm not going super linearly, you know what I mean? Uh, anyway, they show up just to get their ass whooped by Goku all at the same time. Right, real quick. Real quick. Like They, they practically killed all your buddies, but you know you could take them on single-handedly. <laughs> dude, that just accents how kick-ass son Goku is. Yeah, Everyone got owned. Chaozu, Krillin, Tien, Piccolo just got owned twice in a row. Once by one of these minions, second by a fucking giant-ass nephew ape that he's got. Weird relationship in his life, but he loves him nonetheless. But Goku, though, no, he's good. He, they have, like, a lot of hands, like, all five going at him at the, is it five? I think it's five. Going at him at the same time. The two twins. The big red-headed guy with the long ponytail. Robot guy. The robot man and the guy with the dangly ear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the mullet. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> I was at a wedding the other night. I was talking with my, one of my old co-workers' wives. And they have a, like a 14, 15-year-old son. And uh, he had recently made an appeal to uh, have his mother take him to the, the I don't know, barbershop. You know what people call him? The barbershop to go get a mullet. He like, I guess two or three of his friends have mullets and he wanted to get in on the mullet and uh, his mom said, no, you look fucking stupid. Yeah. I don't think Barbers did mullets. I assume that's just something you do at home. No, you want to look blame... dumb, you can do it your damn self. Exactly. You just do it yourself. I blame Theo Vaughn. Who? Exactly. He's some fucking comedian. He's not unfunny. He can be funny, but he definitely leans into the redneck angle a little too much. And part of that is uh, 
rocking a mullet like as long as I've known him to exist. So um, I blame him. Very popular on YouTube. Yep. Fucking Theo Vaughn, get a haircut, man. What are you doing to America's youth? Making them look dumb. Yeah, kids are stupid. It's fine if you look dumb. You're it's a comedian. Good, we get it's it. It's good, you know. Everybody's got cameras, camera phones nowadays. You know, we're going to have all this proof how stupid these kids are 10 years from now when they're growing up. You can look back and be like, look how fucking dumb you were. You know, you can't do that with us. We didn't have cameras back then. All the stupid mistakes we made as kids, they're buried in the past. Mostly. Still have some fucking regrettable Facebook statuses. That's what happens when you uh, make a Facebook in 2006 or whatever. Yeah, I got a tramp stamp, but you know. <laughs> so you got a tramp stamp? <laughs> wow, I'm learning a lot about you today. Uh, so yeah, Gohan then freaks out. They go to cut his tail off with a key blast. He shrinks, but um, that's because Tullus goes to hit him with the big, I think it's called like a, a crusher, not a crusher ball, because I'm pretty sure that's, jace or birders move or something i don't know he makes like the ring thing between his hands and he goes to hit big azaru gohan with it they hit his tail with a key blast and then he shrinks and falls in between the blast which i thought was pretty cool um but this gives goku the opportunity to bring back up the theme of this movie man you might look like me and you might be a saiyan but i'm glad i hit my head Cause you're a fucking asshole and you're beating up my kid and my friends and I'm about to beat you up for it. But first of all, let me just reiterate the fact that I'm very happy to be an earthling. Hmm. So I don't know, man, they talk about him hitting his head several times in this movie. Yeah, they only noticed it at the end there. And they talk about it. They say that line in that battle. They talk about it again at the end during the camping trip. There's another point, too, where I believe Tullus is, like, figuring out why Kakarot didn't destroy the Earth in the first place, you know? I think they say it a total of three times. But it just, like, kept making me think of this most recent manga chapter where they they bring up the fact that he hit his head. Vegeta brings up the fact that, you know, apparently Goku's soft-heartedness is, uh, you know, inherited from his family lineage, lineage and all that. And it's kind of been bothering me because I'm like, no, Goku's Goku's interesting and a cool character because he goes against the grain on what he was supposed to be, you know, genetically predisposed to be battle strong, crazy Saiyan. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's definitely grown into that as Dragon Ball has gone along. But like his appeal in early Dragon Ball was when he or early Dragon Ball Z, I guess when he learns that about himself he's like nah fuck that that's not who i am we learn that it's about you know him banging his head or whatever great yeah, like how bad did he hit his head he like, fell down a canyon like several hundred feet as a infant out of his grandpa's like backpack little baby sling on his back or whatever i'm gonna say these motherfuckers got head injuries left and right they're out there fucking fighting all day every day and you think fucking they'd wake up and be friendly once in a while you know no no <laughs> apparently sometimes you just have really nice parents um really i don't know like everything about goku with how they're doing bardock in this uh in these last couple of chapters it's just like i don't know i'm trying not to dwell on it and just enjoy this movie because you know bardock the episode of bardock or this i shouldn't say episode of bardock i should say this the bardock special does happen like maybe a year after this movie comes out maybe a little less than a year i think it's maybe april of 91 i want to say for some reason i could be totally making that up but this being like the first evil goku it's genuinely interesting to me uh and just to you know think about the what it could have like to have it so clearly plain in your face like this the visual down right down to the visualization of who the character is like he's got the same exact face as goku this very easily could have been this dude's fate, but because his upbringing on Earth and also a traumatic head injury, he's uh, you know a good dude who protects people. Um, so I appreciate that. Great. Anyway, the Shin Seiju, the fruit of the tree of might. He's just eating those left and right like they're candy, so he's getting pretty buff. The boys can't blow up the tree. They can't use the Dragon Balls, obviously, because we use them in the first act of the movie to restore that effing forest. So they decide that they're going to have to use a spirit bomb. Um, so all the, all the guys get their asses whooped. Goku gets his ass whooped. Uh, 
Like, Tullus says something to the effect of, like, I'm going to put you in a grave, and then does proceed to blast him into a hole into the ground, and he thinks he's dead. And then he's not, of course, uh, and then he hears the voices. This is not, I don't think it's the first, but it's definitely not the last instance of random telepathy, random convenient telepathy in Dragon Ball. And like, you know, Kai Osama uses it, King Kai uses it for sure. Um, but like Piccolo, okay, give it to Piccolo. Um, I'm pretty sure the first person who pops into his head with his voice is Yamcha. Last person I want giving me advice on the battlefield, by the way. But then Krillin, Gohan, and they do it just to be like, yeah, use the Genki Dama, use the Genki Dama. We're still alive, by the way. Use the Genki Dama. We know telepathy. Genki Dama. <laughs> he built a Genki Dama. This is still back in the days before the Super Genki Dama that he uses on Namek. So it's like a little tiny energy blast, like I don't know, right. a little bigger than the size of his head, probably. But it's formidable and it's made up of life energy and all this other stuff. So it's very powerful, right? He throws it at Tullus. Tullus blasts it back with his big purple key energy blast thing. And it's basically ineffective. And we, you and I both had the same thought watching this today. It's like, this is because of, you know, the tree of might already sapping all the energy from the earth. Right. Like, there's nothing to get, nothing to give. Although you do see people who are still alive throughout the course of the film. Still, like, the way in which the tree of might takes over the earth seems so fast, but also seems really slow at certain points. Because, like, halfway through the movie, I'm like, everybody on Earth must be dead, huh? That sucks. Right. And then you see a scene toward the end of the movie after, I'm pretty sure after the spirit bomb thing, or the first failed spirit bomb, where it's, like, a, a city. And, you know, people are, like, going amongst everyday I think they have, like, a, a carousel in there. People are going amongst everyday life. And then it's like, oh, no. The roots, the trees. We didn't give to the Ginky Dama. We're sorry. This is what we get. <laughs> but the first one doesn't work. Okay, that makes sense to me. But here's what doesn't make sense to me, man. They decide to do the second Genki Dama? Right. I don't know. I like the scene a lot because there's some cool back and forth shots between Tullus's face and Goku's face. They do like long shots in on their eyes and shit. And like they just to again accent, like really drive home the fucking point. These two are basically the same, like, you know, reinforcing the idea of nature versus nurture. So he decides to go for the second spirit bomb. And this time, I don't know if he did it on purpose. I have to imagine he did, right? He chooses to draw energy for a second spirit bond from the Shin Seiju, the plants from the Tree of Might. And like, okay, yeah, good call. But like, shouldn't that have been how it worked the first time? Like, it's on the earth. It's yeah, it's on the earth. from everything. You it's think a, it would have sensed it or something? It ha it's obviously like one of the only few remaining sources of energy left, right, on the earth. Like, how didn't it automatically draw from those things? Dumb thing to get caught up on, I know. Yeah. But whatever, it worked out the second time. So he draws energy from the fruits, throws it at Tullus. I love Tullus's death scene. The black and white, like, ah! And the yeah. screams, dude. Oh, my God. Masako Nozawa does triple duty in the movie. Goku, Gohan, and Tullus. Her performance as Tullus is so goddamn good. Actually... Uh, we're recording this on the 24th, uh, so in Japan, it's technically her birthday today, her 85th birthday. Wow. Um, October 25th. So, yes, um, her her performance as Tullus, though, I think is my favorite because it's so different from how Goku and Gohan sound. I mean, Goku sounds like Goku. Gohan sounds like a sweeter, child kind of version, but like softer and uh, more well-spoken than Goku, more deliberate with his words. That's the subtle differences I noticed between Goku and Gohan, but they basically have very similar voices. Tullus, it could have been very easy for her to just be like, I don't know, like a growly, raspy kind of Goku or something, but she's like kind of intimidating in her tone without changing the voice too much. Like she just sounds like a serious Goku, but like somehow it sounds like a completely different character to me. She did so well in this performance, in my opinion, and that screamed her in the tallest death. <laughs> it's so good, dude. Nice. Uh, happy birthday, Nozawa-san. 85. Mm. Say it all the time, but it bears repeating. 
the government of Japan better be allocating all of their resources to ensuring the protection and elongation of that woman's life. National treasure. For real. Elongation? I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what? It is now, bitch. Happy birthday. <laughs> they blow up the... They blow up Tullus, he dies, whatever. So this spirit bomb was also powerful enough to blow up uh, the Tree of Might as well. Which is great, right? Kind of solves the problem uh, that we had at the beginning of the movie, not being able to blow it up by the roots. Shake up the fruits. And the fruits... They fall on the ground. This is where I'm kind of like, dude, really? Yeah, they kind of did it. Really? Took the easy way out on this one. Uh, the Basically, the Shinseiju fruits fall to the ground, and they explode. And whatever comes out of them, the life force, the energy, whatever the fuck, yellow mist, it just brings back everything to life. All the dead deers and ducks and shit, dude. They're all alive again because the Shinseiju blew up in their vicinity. Yeah, what about the destroyed cities? Does it put buildings back together? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it, like, took care of uh, the carousel and, like, all the tremor holes that were made throughout the whole world, the, throughout the whole world with the, the roots and shit. Yeah. These fruits are really something, dude. No wonder Turles was eating them as much as he was. It's been like crack. And if that's the case... He ate, like, a bunch of them. You'd think this one little measly spirit bomb probably, I mean, maybe the... Ah, see, that's the, that's the loop there, my logic. Because the spirit bomb is made with the Shinseiju, it would have beaten Tullus because it was made from all of them versus just, like, the five or six Tullus shoved into his fat fucking face during the course of that fight, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I think I've talked myself into it. But how the hell does it bring dead deers back to life? So in case our explanation for how that movie just wrapped up wasn't enough to satisfy your uh, need for an explanation, you know, King Kai comes in and explains basically exactly what I just explained about how the life force from the Shinseiju comes out and resurrects deers and stuff. It's wild. What I like about that, though, is King Kai basically effectively serves in the role of the narrator in that instance. Just like, because who's he really talking to? Gregory and Bubbles? I don't give a fuck. Probably just bubbles even. Pitch Gregory fucked off for the day. Who's he talking to? Nobody. He's talking to us. But the guy who voices King Kai in Japan is also the narrator for the series. So different. Oh, then Sean Shemmel's Goku? Hey, guys. It's me, King Kai. Dude, you had the good King Kai a long time ago. I don't think I could do it now. I haven't heard him in so long. Hey, it's me. King Kai. I think I'm just doing you doing <laughs> Sean Channel's King Kai. But, oh, no, Goku. Oh, no. There you go. Use your spirit bomb, Goku. Oh, King Kai returns. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, so we get that, you know, over-the-head explanation, which, I don't know, I guess I kind of appreciated because, like, in my brain I kind of followed it, but, like, if I was a 10-year-old kid watching this in Japan, I'd be like, the fuck kind of fruit is that? This fruit is crazy. It does everything. But whatever. King Kai explains it. And then they have the little tag at the end. Camping part two. Wherein, you know, opening of the movie was them camping. And then the, the fire happens. And opening song, Dragon Ball, banana, chala, all that. So they have camping at the end. And it's really just only used as an opportunity to have Goku with the gang now. Tian and Chaotu as well. And it's just an opportunity for them to be able to say, man, Goku, good job beating that evil Saiyan guy. Wouldn't it have been terrible if you were an evil Saiyan guy? Goku's like, thank God I hit my head and I got this scar on my head. Thank God I have brain damage. I love brain damage. It makes me a nice dude. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. I mean, even, even if you fall and hit your head, you go Uzuro, you're still going to be a fucking menace. You know, so maybe that's how it works either way. Yeah. And I mean, the whole point of sending Goku to Earth was, I mean, that's how Saiyans conquered planets, right? They sent down a baby. Not always a baby, but like Earth was like a, they were like, we don't got to worry about that shit. We're going to send a baby. It's fine. Baby will be enough to fuck it all up. One King Kong sized ape will be enough for those dumbass Earthlings. And then we got the ending song to this movie, which is a song that, uh, I don't know. It's not a song that I dislike. I know that because it started and I was like, wait, which song is this? Some weird xylophone openings or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that fucking song. 
And uh, it's like so non-distinct to me that I honestly can't even tell you which song it is right now. Yeah, but it's, it's like Dragon, Dragon, Dragon or something. Dragon! Dragon! Motherfucker Dragon! Dragon! Yeah, that sounds right. Good job, because they all run together in my head, dude. I, I fuck up the movie ending themes constantly. Can't tell you, unless it's like, uh, you know, Haruta Garn movie. Uh, that's one of my favorite Dragon Ball songs ever. I know that one. Fusion Reborn's ending song, Kicks Ass. Psycho Noah Power, whatever. Uh, that song kicks ass, man. This one, though, in terms of like my rankings of uh, Dragon Ball ending songs, it's not the bottom of the list. Meh. It's like, uh, I don't know, probably bottom third of the list. I don't know. It's not a bad song. It's just kind of unremarkable to me. Yeah. Motherfucking Dragon! Dragon! It can all be fucking headshot. Can't all be bangers. Although I was uh, thinking the other day to myself, like, every single opening song for Dragon Ball in terms of the anime is an absolute banger. Yeah. All six of them. Wow. For all the main series. Uh, Maku Fushigi Adventure, Charla Hechala, We Got a Power, Don Don Kokoro, um, the first opening for Super, which, which shouts out to Dynamic, I believe, and then Power Breaker, Limit X Survivor, whatever the heck that song is called. Uh, Limit Break X Survivor is what it's called. Those six songs, all fucking bangers. And I was thinking to myself, like, how come we've never really talked about, like, the rankings of opening songs? And then I, I realized that we did once. <laughs> it's actually one of our one of our more popular episodes. Hmm. But it's not because of that. It's because we mention a certain a voice actor in the middle of it, or in the beginning of it really. Hmm. And he's in his name is in the show title notes. So I think that's what makes people click on it. I see. So like they probably show up to be like, Oh, they must love our boy Vic. Oh shit, uh. I accidentally said his name whoops. <laughs> and then they listen to it and they're like we don't like these people anymore. <laughs> which sucks because other than the Vic stuff, which I wish we'd never talked about in the first place, but other than that, nah, I'm actually kind of glad we talked about it. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, it's a pretty good episode. I listened to it the other day. It was pretty funny. Huh. I did lots of music drops and stuff. It's a good one. Nice. Links in the show notes. Although, do you need the link in the show notes? It's one of the more popular. I don't know. Whatever. Link in the show notes. Goku. So like 7, 8 out of 10. The Earth's Strongest Guy was obviously Goku because it's Dragon Ball Z. We all had a great time. Oh yeah. Barroom podcasts, a little different, but I think we did okay. We got through it. We gave up the Wikipedia article midway through and just rolled with the notes. Yeah. And this has become a podcast about a podcast suddenly. Huh. They're very popular. Hmm. Definitely a niche within the podcasting industry. Maybe we should just start a podcast where we talk about other people's podcasts. Yeah, bro. Like, critique them. I mean, that's that's got to be a fucking show already. Like, Sweet I'm sure there's a million. Is, yeah. Well, more to come on that. I guess if that show launches, y'all have to rate and subscribe and blah, blah, blah. But in the meantime, we'll just keep talking about Dragon Ball because sometimes we are good at it. Debatable. And if that was today, today was one of those days or not, I guess we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it's going to do it for Super Dope. Rate, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'll read it to you on my microphone and you can say, hey, I wrote that. That feels good that I heard it. Let me make you feel good, baby. Give us a review. I'll read it to you. Leave a review. I'll read it back to you.